Hello and welcome to COVID Stories, a podcast series regarding leadership following the COVID-19 outbreak. I'm your host, Dallas Emerson, Director of Business Development at the IT Guys. Before we get started, these interviews were conducted during the COVID lockdown and were held over Microsoft Teams. Any sound quality issues are the result of social distancing that we're all too familiar with. If you're listening on our site, we're thrilled to have you, but you might find it easier to listen to COVID stories through iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. Joining me today is Sarah Rayburn, Executive Director of the Associated Plumbing, Heating, and Cooling Contractors of Texas. How are you doing, Sarah? Good. How are you? Doing all right. So, you know, this is going to be a little bit different from most of uh, my interviews because you're in a very unique position. When did you take over as Executive Director of PHCC? Uh, I started with PHCC um, sliding kind of in and learning the role in December, but then I really took over as executive director April 1st. April 1st. So right after the first announcement of a lockdown? Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) What's an interesting way to get started. So is it safe to assume this was your first crisis as an executive director? I would say so. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, how did you come to the decision to start working remotely? Uh, and by that, I mean, I guess, were you worried that somehow maybe your members, your staff, your board, since you're new, might see this as an overreaction? Uh, we decided, I made the decision that we should start working remotely, really just based on the guidance that had come down, you know, from the federal, from the federal level, counties and state. Um, primarily, I was most concerned with the health and safety of our staff, um, our instructors, as well as um, our students and clients who come and take our classes. And so I really just felt like until we really knew what things were going to look like, I felt more comfortable having folks work remotely so that if things did get really bad, we had already put into place measures to protect them. And how did that transition uh, to remote work go? It actually went pretty smoothly. Um, we had we met as a staff and just kind of talked about who was going to take over what. We did have to shift some responsibilities because there were certain things that really couldn't happen from home. Um, we shifted responsibilities. We kind of looked at everybody's setup to kind of see, are you ready to work from home? Do we need to make some changes to the technology that you have? That sort of thing. Um, and then we kind of cut everybody loose. Um, the first couple weeks were a little bit uh, of a learning curve, I would say. Certain things that we thought would work really didn't um, in some areas. And then in some areas, people were totally fine. Um, I would say our organization in particular has a really high call volume. And so that part was really challenging because we were kind of limited in how we could manage um, the incoming calls and that sort of thing. Um, but we just kind of did our best to adjust as we could go. Right. So you mentioned that some tasks couldn't be handled remotely. Would you mind sharing what tasks, what kinds of things can't be done remotely? Yeah, a lot of our accounting, um, things that were coming to the office, we felt uh, needed to stay here. So that was a big part of it. Um, We had people, the way that we managed that is we had staggered who could be in the office at certain times. Um, so that somebody was here alone and that um, the place was sanitized before and after somebody left. Uh, that's really the biggest thing. Everything else we really were able to manage from home. Um, we did have some people come in and out to do certain things like make copies or pick up supplies um, or help with the phones. But really, we just tried to stagger that. 
that makes a lot of sense. So, and I don't want to be just 100% focused on the fact that you were just taking over this organization when this happened, but, I mean, I, I got to ask, most people like to start off and kind of put their stamp on things or make their changes. How did it feel having to lead with a... I mean, you had had a few months in the organization, which I think gave you some advantages, but how did it feel having to be the leader in an, an unprecedented event? I really think the key was just really trying to communicate with everybody that this is an unprecedented time. We're going to do the best we can. We are going to try to communicate with each other, you know, things that are working, things that aren't working, um, items or tasks that might need to be moved around, things that even maybe need to be put on hold, um, and really just trying to, I think, be in contact with everybody as much as possible um, was really the, the biggest thing, I think, that helped us. Um, I previously had worked from home uh, before, and I worked with a team that was all over the country, and so I do think that that helped some. I did have experience um, working remotely with a lot of different groups and people in different time zones and area codes and um, that sort of thing. So I think that I did already have some tools that I was able to bring that maybe they may or may not have used before. And I do think that that was helpful um, and really just acknowledging that this is a crazy time and we're just we're going to see what happens and we're taking it week by week. The, the term I keep hearing thrown around is uh give each other a lot of grace. Would you say that applies in this case here too? Absolutely. Absolutely. Especially this being, you know, the whole pandemic being unprecedented and not knowing it, how long it's going to last or how severe it may get. Um, and also knowing that it's kind of different in different areas, um, flexibility and giving grace and just trying to communicate the best we can. I really think we're the key items. Okay. Now, I know that you that PHCC is an education focused organization with lots of small events. How have you fared or how have you adapted to the social distancing standards that we're all faced with now? When all of this first happened back in mid-March, uh, we made the decision to uh, cancel or postpone um, many of our events. Um, what we do are is continuing education. So any given weekend, we could have up to 10 classes anywhere or more anywhere across the state in different facilities. And so what we did was just kind of look at the next few weeks and just took it week by week um, and just looked at what are things looking like? Can we move forward? Do we need to change things? Um, of course, this ended up lasting and is still going on. So what we eventually did was um, canceled most of our in-person classes. Uh, we decided to move as many things online as possible. Um, some really quick trainings with our instructors. We put together some guides and protocols and, and really just tried to shift that pretty quickly. Um, online learning is not something that we were able to do previously, um, but with uh, with COVID-19 and everything that happened, we were able to to offer that. And so it was a really quick learning curve for a lot of folks, us included, uh, because we weren't really set up for that. Uh, but really just adapting quickly and knowing that whatever we're doing now, we might have to shift and we might have to refine later on. Um, that's kind of the approach we took. And do you feel like your members were able to handle that uncertainty fairly well? I do. I think that um, I think that there was a lot of, you know, 
and still is a lot of confusion. And, you know, like I said, it's kind of different in different areas and a lot of different counties or different cities have different expectations or have different guidances in place. And so trying to manage, um, events or classes in different areas has been a challenge, but I do feel like most people have been really understanding and have really understood that we're trying to offer as many things as we can um, while also satisfying the social distancing requirements and, and really trying to ensure the safety of our staff and our instructors and anybody who um, is able to take a class with us. Now, bear with me for a second here. Uh, you work with Basically, or you work in basically any county in Texas, and those counties can have wildly different rules. Does PHCC kind of go with the lowest common denominator approach, or do you take the counties on a case-by-case basis to try to figure out what events you can host where? We have taken it on a case-by-case basis. Um, What we found is looking at the county was kind of the first step, but then also looking at the facility that we normally use in that location, because what we found is even in areas where they said, yes, you can have gatherings of, you know, X amount of people, or yes, you can do these types of events. Some of the facilities that we were booked for um, or that we would normally use in those areas were, had different rules. Um, They had, you know, limits on how many people distancing, that sort of thing. Um, masks, gloves. And so we really had to drill down to the very facility and find out, okay, what are the rules in your particular facility, you know, and then making sure that that does fall under whatever the county rules are as well. I mean, it sounds intimidating at very least, mind-boggling at most, uh, just trying to keep up with, I hadn't even considered that you, the organizations themselves, the hosts might have their own standards. I mean, that Kudos to you for getting anything done. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely been eye-opening. You know, um, for example, a lot of the, as everybody knows, a lot of the schools have closed. Um, we partner with a lot of community colleges around the state and hold classes there. Um, so that in itself, you know, those those locations, by and large, were already closed. And some of them said, we're not having anything until, you know, August and maybe even later. And so that kind of told us, you know, we really need to be looking at the actual facility and not just the the area and find out with the facility what the restrictions would be and then just making decisions from there. Okay. So how has your, how have your events changed at all? Your education, has anything changed? Is it basically the same, but now it's just people maybe wear masks and sit a little bit further apart? Well, I will say that we are just now starting our in-person classes back. So we had one last week. Um, this weekend, we have a few more. And then as we move on, we're, we're adding more where we can. Um, we The biggest change probably would be the number of people we're able to educate at the same time. Um, you know, we are making sure that everybody is at least six feet apart. Um, so making sure that we're in facilities where we can actually do that. Normally our classes, um, normally our CE classes have up to 45 people, um, and that's just not possible in a lot of our facilities. So I would say the class size has definitely decreased. Um, we are asking, you know, people to abide by all of the CDC rules. Um, you know, if they don't feel well, don't come and really try to self-manage that. Um, asking for folks to wear masks, asking, you know, for folks not to, you know, use each other's items and that sort of thing. Okay. And now this might sound like a strange question to ask, but has COVID-19 brought any changes 
either operationally or educationally something that you actually want to maintain after this all recedes? I think I, I would say the biggest change that we've had is that we are able right now to offer online classes. Um, that is something that is a, that's temporary. Uh, we don't know how long we'll be, be able to offer online classes. Um, there's pros and cons of online classes. Um, you know, we definitely see the value of in-person education and definitely want to maintain that. Uh, but I will say the online classes for some have offered uh, flexibility. Um, if, if somebody couldn't get to a certain location or if they're ill and they're not able to go or something like that, um, that has really offered some flexibility. And I think that's really been a nice offering. Okay. So that might be something you want to look at extending beyond just crisis mode. Possibly. So do you feel like your members are ready to kind of return back to normal? Or is there a lot of uh, resistance to any changes that, you know, start to bring people back in? I think it's a mixed bag. We definitely have a have had a lot of interest in, you know, when are your classes starting back up? You know, when can I get signed up for an in-person class? So there's definitely a big interest in resuming in-person classes. Um, we've, ha we've had good feedback on, you know, some of the other things that we have that are not in-person. We've had uh, good feedback on our online classes and um, our correspondence courses. And so I think it's really kind of a mixed bag. Mixed bag. And so how do you set expectations for kind of those two groups of people who are wanting to kind of maintain social distance and those who are like, let's, let's get back. How do you set expectations on what things are going to look like at a time when nobody knows what to expect? I think really just acknowledging that and saying, you know, things are changing really quickly and we're monitoring all of the new information that comes out, all of the new guidance that comes out. And we're going to do our best to maintain the health and safety of um, our instructors, the people that are coming to our classes. Um, that means we could have to make some changes moving forward. And, you know, we'll communicate that to everybody as best we can. Um, and really just trying to do our best to continue to serve, to serve our members, um, but also being being aware and, and, and making sure that we're also just taking um, the utmost safety for everybody else. That makes that makes sense. Now, on the other end of the spectrum, do you feel like your staff is champing at the bit to get back to some form of normal? Or are they more comfortable kind of in this remote slash staggered environment? Uh, I think our staff really, we have a small staff and we um, are lucky to be in an office where we do have a lot of room. There are a lot of offices where people can go in and shut the door. And I do think that a lot of folks here have been excited to come back. Um, uh, one thing, though, that I will say is this has taught us that we are able to work remotely to an extent. Um, and so, you know, should things change or should we need to reorganize or, you know, later down the line, we can do that and we can work successfully that way. You know, and this might be maybe a silly question, but one thing that I have encountered a lot is people talking about, OK, we're going to come back into the office. But after we get back to the office, everybody's you know, going to shut their doors and maintain social distance and in many ways continue working 
with each other remotely because you won't be sitting down in the same office chatting. What uh, what advantage at that point is there to being in the same office if you all have to maintain a really strict social distance? I think our organization, which um, our organi- or our organization is the nature of what we do here is really collaborative. So um, we have our build. The way our building is set up is we have our offices on one side. On the other side, we have two classrooms. On the other side of that, we have workshops. Um, and what we do is a lot of teaching, which uh, and a lot of hands-on activity, which really, you know you kind of need to be there in person so you can really see what's happening and so that you can really teach, you know, somebody how to work with your hands and how to do something. Um, So I really think the nature of what we do, you really, there is a really big, there is a really big positive of being in person. Doesn't mean we couldn't do it remotely, but I think we would miss out a lot of, of what, a lot of the good things if we were totally remote. Well, yeah. So because you're, an education-based organization, duh, it makes sense that you would want to have somebody up front being able to help guide that mm-hmm. education. So that makes sense. Now, what does moving forward, you know, we're here kind of at the beginning of summer. There's a term that I don't like, but I don't know how else to put it. What does a new normal look like for PHCC in your mind? Mm-hmm. So... In terms of our internal staff and how we're operating, our new normal is really just trying to be aware of the social distancing, trying to um, ensure that we are monitoring ourselves, you know, not coming in if somebody is sick, uh, making sure that we're taking care of ourselves before we're here, um, working remotely if you need to, um, and maybe being a little bit more flexible on that end. Uh, For our classes, the new normal is really social distancing for now, making sure that we are in locations where we can spread out more. So, you know, it may be that we, the facility that we'd normally use, we're not going to go there anymore um, until things shift a little bit. Um, And then, you know, at least for the foreseeable future, probably continuing some online learning. Okay. Now, when it comes to finding those, those uh, venues, I guess, for your education, are you finding that some are, you know, saying, oh, you know, I guess, let me find the right way to phrase this question. Do you feel that venues are almost hungry for more uh, events there, or are they saying, you know, we don't want to be responsible for anything, please go away right now? I would say that most facilities are happy to work with us. They're happy to have us there. Um, they've been very happy, you know, with our requirements and our restrictions, they've been happy to just see what we can do to make it work. Okay. And if you could offer other executives out there, you know, if they're grizzled veterans or total newbies or just thinking about uh, becoming executives, if you could offer them any advice on what to think about and how to plan for the coming days, what would you tell them? I would say... Take it, take it week by week and really just things are changing so fast. It's you're probably going to make a wrong decision. Um, It's unprecedented. We don't know really what's going to happen. But that said, also be prepared for all the possibilities. So be prepared for things to get 
to go really bad again. Be prepared for things to improve really quickly. Be prepared for somewhere in the middle. And once you have that preparation, then you can just take off wherever you need to take off. So lots of contingency plans then. Exactly. Lots of backup plans. (laughs) (laughs) And backup plans for your backup plans. Exactly. (laughs) Well, Sarah, you know, uh, I think we've covered everything that I wanted to cover here. This was really good. Thank you so much. Absolutely. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Yes. And thank you for your time. And I know somebody out there is hearing this and going, either they're thinking one of two things, man, I had it a lot easier than I thought, or wow, I really needed to hear that. So thank you so much, Sarah. Thank you. Thank you for listening. I'm Dallas Emerson with the IT Guys, and this has been COVID Stories. I'd like to remind listeners that you have a COVID story and we want to hear it. Send me an email at dallas at itguysusa.com and let's set up a time to talk about your COVID story. Your story may be just the thing someone needs to hear. Thanks again.